Hello, Merlin Man. Hi, Dan Benjamin. How are Hi, you? Merlin Man. Hi, Dan. Hey, look at, look at me. I'm in San Francisco. I look oh, down. Hey, look at me. I'm Dan. Hey, it's hot all the time. Hi. I'm tired. I went hey. to San Francisco when I was younger, and now I'm an oh. adult. I used to be the C-something. Oh, burp, burp, burp. Which one were you? The CTO? You're the C, uh, C, C-something or the CSO? I don't know what a CSO C-something girl. I've been a CTO a couple, unfortunately, a couple times. That must be a miserable job. A lot of work. Yeah. Hi, I'm Merlin. I don't work for CEOs. Hey, look at me. I'm Dan. I have observations. It just seems like you must be, except in some companies, you must be like an uh, ungodly kind of middleman, right? I mean, in some companies, you would like virtually run the place. Other places, you're mainly keeping office updated. And then in other kinds of places, uh, you're stuck somewhere between the board and biz dev and a bunch of people with beards. Yeah, no, in a worst case scenario, you're sort of a slightly more empowered, ultimately responsible IT manager. Totally, right? And in, in, in the best, like in in the best case scenario, you actually get to like order new equipment and have fun with it. Well, so surely it varies by company, but I think about like, it's funny, I filled a prescription yesterday at Walgreens and uh, the pharmacist, the one cool pharmacist who's not insane and incompetent, um, don't be creepy, she, uh, she was like, I'm sorry this takes so long, this computer is so you know, old and so slow. And I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how it, I, when I go to my bank, I think they're using Windows 2000 at my bank and like a really old version of IE, <laughs> right. why? Yeah. Like, when is it a great, th- it's like deciding to quit smoking crack. Like, when is it a great day? To decide to a like update an entire suite of Windows and Office and et cetera, and probably some enterprise something something, and then b train people on that, c support that, right? I mean, it's you have this cascade of stuff that has this huge impact, uh, way beyond like what ads you're going to buy. Well, you know what? That's dismissive. I'm just saying, like, you know, if you're the bank CTO, man, that's, that's so different from being like the growing startup CTO. You probably single handedly keep that uh, pharmacy in business. Because uh, because of the magazines I buy, <laughs> I would, oh. yes. <laughs> hmm. You mean Walgreens? I got a good I got a good place in Canada. I like. I don't need an idea for a T-shirt for for related to this trying, show. I've been trying. I've been trying. I know you're busy. I know your kid's been sick. I don't want to bug you. I'm so pumped to talk about T-shirts. Maybe we should save it for the AD. Can you, can you give me a taste? No, let's keep it all for the AD. Okay. Okay. Because I, I have I have how, how much time you got today? Much as you need, buddy. I'm all yours all day, rest of the day, straight through. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, At least mm. an hour. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'm going to cut my uh, stack literally in half. Okay. Um, I mean, if I get bored, I'll read, you know, I'll read a bug or something. I had a big morning, a huge morning. Really? I realized something. Yeah, I realized something really big this morning. I what happened? Potentially talk about it. I like that. We should, let's let's uh, let's uh, circle back to that. Okay, I get, I, I'm going to go super fast through follow up. Do you have your bell? Did you ever get your Philadelphia bell out of the the hot box? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it still. No, you know, I think I did. It's on the shelf downstairs though, and I'm half moved up from there. No, no, so. I understand. You're probably comfortable. Are you on a ball right now? I'm standing. Hmm. You know, you know, I heard. Now, this is. I, I, I literally do not want to go all Malcolm Gladwell for any variety of reasons. Um, but you know how, like, first of all, like, yo, you sit in a chair to type. And then we're like, no, 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 you have to get some stupid standing desk because standing is good for you. And now you hear what they're saying. And then you, you, people like you are sitting on balls 
But now, supposedly, the latest version of this BS Freakonomics observation is that the nice thing about the standing, supposedly, is that you have a combination of standing and sitting, and that is better for you than either just sitting or just standing. Do you have a thought on the stand, Benjamin? I do. I, I, my thought on it is any doing any one thing all of the time sounds bad. I That's totally agree. Oh, God. I was so 44 last night. Um, one of my pieces of follow-up is a brief bit of advice on iTunes Match, but... So last night I was sitting there. You know, when you're 44, you don't think enough. You're still, see, I'm still at that point where, like, I haven't quite completely accepted what a mess my body is. Um, but I'm slightly aware that I should start thinking about that. Inside or outside or both? Oh, just the whole thing. Frickin', frickin', you know, uh, milk to office supplies. Whole thing. Every aisle. Boom. <laughs> full. Right? Problematic. House on fire. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out, you know, what position to get my chair in. I, uh... I stooped. Now, I didn't do the classic like, uh, like South American stoop where you sit on your heels. I did the stoop where my ass was on the ground, my feet were flat, and basically I, I'm stooped because my, one of my extremely unhealthy positions is I have the MacBook Air on one of the speakers next to the home entertainment credenza. Don't be creepy. And I sit there and I do a short thing. I do a thing. I, I download a legal movie <laughs> from someplace where I paid for it. From, you know, I get, you know, episode six of The Walking Dead, which I definitely pay for, or whatever. And that takes a second. Buying stuff is so easy these days, Dan. I sat down and I dug in to my smart playlist uh, for iTunes Match, which we'll come back to in just a second, briefly. When you say and, stooping, you're not, you're, you don't mean stooping. Oh, are you kidding me? That's a, that's a Meshuggah and a Shonda. <laughs> it's a different thing. Are you kidding me? That's a Gespeltzen. And suddenly, I'm Jerry Lewis again. Anyway, I was all full of glavin with the nice ladies, and I was in a position where my knees were bent in such a way. It's a, in trigonometry, I think they call it an extremely acute angle. They're good and tight. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, but my feet are flat on the floor and I'm not thinking about how messed up my body is at my age. And so I'm getting good and comfortable as I scream at my computer, uh, as my hard drive fills up with, with stuff and I'm confused and I'm using smart playlists. And I, I went to get up Dan Benjamin and it, it's like I'd been beaten with hoses in Argentina for like, like 18 weeks. I was in, I was, ex, ex, I mean, I had so much excruciating pain in like 11 parts. I don't even, I, it might have been 11. It might have been three. I can't count. I was, You're I was talking blinded. about like, like a sciatica? Brrr, every joint, every nerve. I mean, I got up and then I was, diz- I was dizzy on top of it. Is this like bursitis? No, it might have been my lumbago. What do you know about lumbago? Have you ever studied anything about lumbago? That, that is might a, be a made up word. It might be a made up no, word. No, no, no. That is a person who has no skin pigmentation. It's a, a serious condition. Okay, okay. Like, uh, now, is Malcolm Gladwell, is he a lumbago? To our knowledge, is he, is he merely Canadian? I think he is. I'm not did sure you know, how to pronounce he's, he's his working, name. He's working for the Bank of America now. Did you know that? <laughs> I, did, I did see that. So, everything he does will have to be backwards compatible. Why does it, why, uh, the interesting thing is, why does that reflect badly on him? Like that, why I'm people... I'm not saying it reflects badly on him. But I'm people saying are saying there is a, There's one case study... Um, by a man with a very, very interesting mustache who is extremely colorful, and it literally inverts all of the conventional wisdom we have about literally everything. You're talking about the guy that, with the big, like, uh, black mustache glasses that does the film reviews. That's right. I think you're thinking of uh, Dr. Dr. Kefelton Zeldman. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Spell it like it sounds. Right. Kefelton Zeldman. Zeldman. 
Oh, Jesus. It's going to be a big show. Um, I'm excited about this week. The pain. Oh, Dan, I had it. This is big. This is big. I have, uh, I don't know how to do things in awk. I've got a lot of, I got a lot of bullets here. I'm going to go through them, but uh, this is a big show, Dan. This is going to be probably the weirdest show we've ever had. So what did you um, do for your problem, though? I mean, did well, this you take- morning I read I read a lot about David Lynch. You know, I've never seen a racer head all the way through, and then I was reading about David Lynch, and so that was on my mind. And I, you know, so how does that connect with your with your sciatica? Exactly. So I stood up. I was in excruciating pain. This has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the show. How long were you down there? It wasn't even a baby. Um, you mean down there at the iTunes? What do you match? mean it wasn't a baby? What was it? It was a kind of baby. It was uh, the eyes were uh, akimbo. Then what was it supposed to be at all? I always thought it didn't look human. See, I think this is part of, this is the troubling part. This is, and this is where, this is the thing people don't get. Was it a baby that was not, that was not okay or was it just a a magical reality kind of baby? Do you understand the difference between magic realism and surrealism? Obviously you do. Yes. I think so. Okay. Well, I don't. I'm not sure. (laughs) I I think magic, magic realism is when things that uh, are magical happen, but we kind of act like it's normal. Right. Kind of, right? I mean, like, you know, a man with wings landing on a beach, you know? Yeah. Enormous wings. I think that's from Camus. Mm-hmm. It's going nowhere. Yeah. That's magical reality. But surrealism is what? When uh, everything's weird. See, I get surrealism and Dada mixed up in my head. And surreal, unfortunately, is one of those words, like, literally and unique that has become so watered down. You go, oh, my God, I was at McDonald's for, like, three minutes. It was totally surreal. You're like, well, I'm... I'm, not, I'm sure that it might have seemed somewhat surreal, but I, I, in a part of my head, I don't think Andre Breton would have categorized that as totally. Can I say something that's only related in a, uh, as, as a tangent? This is literally the week to do it. Zen has nothing to do with eating <sighs> chocolate. Oh, or your dishes, or it's got nothing to do... Oh, or or fragrances. Can I just literally beg you, Dan, to not get me started on that? Can you... Di- We're going to diary this for That could be show. a whole show. Oh, I got a I got a big card and a big black pen. It's just the word Zen. If I if I were a practitioner of Zen and I'd been oh oh marker, <clears throat> if I were <laughs> it's the first one you've done in a long time, I've been so you've good. been very if careful. If I were a practitioner, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm all <laughs> messed up. Um, if I were a practitioner of Zen and I, I had been literally kneeling in rice and and doing all kinds of things involving <laughs> an extraordinary amount of me- mental effort, and then I saw a blog post. Where, that like where item seven was like how to hug your family more boy i would just never stop hitting that guy <laughs> i would go do i would go to who is i would get the information i would do a reverse ip i would show up and i would say you want zen how about i give you a little bit of zen i'm gonna come in i'm gonna take off my shoes and i'm gonna, I'm gonna literally hit you with my shoe because that's a zen thing to do mm-hmm. right and you can show me how to wash my dishes because you're the zen guy <laughs> <sighs> cut all that out good week this has been a huge, really big week, huge Austin, week. Austin, a big emic, huge Gefelta Zeldman week. Uh, you've had a you've had a sick uh, you had a sick youngster. Oh yeah, it's the, the worst. It is the worst. It's the worst. When she uh, when mine starts sniffling and stuff, like I, I get all totally like witch doctor. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just done praying to anything that doesn't move that it just not turn into like the whole thing. Luckily, now knock on everything. She when she does get sick, she she gets sick pretty lightly. Like she's no John Roderick. She comes out of it in like a couple days. Now, when Joel gets sick, are we talking, I don't want to go personal. Uh, is it like, he's got like a cold type thing? Oh, it, it will, uh, this time around, that's kind of what we think it was. And it's weird. It's like the way that kids have symptoms don't necessarily line up with what we as adults would have as symptoms. When you think of a cold as an adult, 
Do you think sore of throat. sort of a, this, a, a certain pattern of things that happen from sore throat to congestion to runny nose, coughing, whatever? And it seems like at least my kid, but kids in general, they seem to have totally different and, and frequently strange symptoms that that don't line up with what we would expect them to be that can be nerve-wracking. Can you give an example? Uh, well, this one wasn't quite as, as weird, but it, and this is this w- weird thing. Out of the blue, he wakes up at, you know, four, four in the morning on Saturday morning, and his, his throat really hurts. So I'm able to get him back to sleep. He wakes up that morning. He's obviously, throat is hurting. He's not feeling good. He has a headache. Mm-hmm. Fever goes to like 101. You know, a little higher, and he just felt you know felt like crap all day, and you know, like we don't we don't we're not we don't love to like medicate in general. We just don't love to medicate, you know. But obviously, when they're, you kind of get the idea that like his his fever isn't going up to one hundred four or anything like that. He's not having any his symptoms aren't really changing. For for a kid our age, it's just to clarify for the the lucky people who don't have kids, it's not unusual for a kid under like five to run a much higher than normal oh. fever, but not, you know, you know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're a grown up and you're at 106, there's a made, there's something made, but for a kid, that's actually not that, right. That's not like get him to the hospital. That's like, okay, well, keep an eye on him. Uh, so like a 101, 102 fever. Now he's uh, frequently gets fevers when he gets a cold, which is weird, but he's always done his whole life, every cold. So I think maybe he's getting a cold. You know, we give him, uh, this acetaminophen, not the time. God, never get Tylenol again. They don't sponsor, do they? Hmm? Uh, uh, no, not that I'm aware. Of. We have an offer code for that. What, what's that? Does that? The, it's you know, another. That's, that's another. Literally, that's literally the same thing. That acetaminophen is Tylenol. You know, yeah, but right? you don't. You don't want it from the Tylenol because they have the. Oh, because the poison. They have problems. They have problems. They had bacteria in there or something. I don't know what the story was. All I know that is was like that was like 1982, Dan. No, that was the poisoning. The recent thing where they kept having to shut down, like and and all of the. I think you're thinking of arsenic and old lace. No, no, no. Anyway, okay. there's other plate people that make acetaminophen for kids. So you give them that. As soon as you give him back, I'm like, okay, I gave it to him, you know, 3 p.m. Let's see how he's at the, 3.30 he's bouncing around. All right, let's go play. You know, everything is back to normal. But, you know, that lasts for a day or two. And then, you know, then he's congested. He's not sleeping at night. And, of course, you're monitoring them at night. So you don't sleep. And it just, it, every, every, everything. So, and we got the little baby. You don't want a baby to get sick. And you don't know what it is. Is it really a cold or is it something else? Could it be strep throat? Well, strep throat doesn't go away in a day. And we're... All of this other stuff. So that's it's been fun. It's been a really fun weekend. Do you feel like you've landed somewhere near understanding what the situation is? I'm not sick anymore. Hmm. Hmm. Do you believe in curses? Like you can like a a, a hex, like the F word. No, I. You might want to think about burning some sage in your house or something. You, yeah. How much do you know about the previous owners? Now this is an air conditioning lady. This is a whole different house than that. Yeah, this is this is not the air conditioning house. Did you do the sage when you went in there? Do you know about that? Yeah, I did that and some rosemary, a little thyme. Mm-hmm. And you roasted what, like three fifty? Mm-hmm. Three fifty oh. for an hour, but you get a base that. Yeah, we did our house with the the original Zuni. Have you ever been to San Francisco and come to Zuni? They do a roast house. That you is that the one on Second? Mm-hmm. Over there on Briar, I think you're thinking of. Oh, two. Okay. Um, a quick two very quick pieces of follow up. First of all, now it can be told. So in addition at Macworld, in addition to my participating um, with uh, your, your Mac Power user people, uh, I, actually, you know what? I think the one with, with uh, Brett, Terpstra, Brett Terpstra. Give, me, give it to me. You really want to? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Terpstra. <laughs> Terp. 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 
He likes it. Uh, he listens, apparently, just to hear that. Extra. Uh, He's a real dude. He cooked bacon for the first time, and he was frying it like a, like a beginner. I but, told him you get to put it in, do it on a pan. What are you frying? Bake it. For? You go bake it. Bake it. Sprinkle a little sugar. Boom. Um, I, learned, I learned from the Gomer Pyle episode, like so many things. Uh, I learned how to sing Oh My Papa. I learned the word Quonsetut. I learned. Uh, is it Oh My Papa or Oh Mine Papa? Oh Mine Papa and Glavin Gefelt Zeldman. And uh, so my point is that, uh, yes, yes, Brett Troopstra and myself will uh, be doing something with David Sparks at Macworld called 40 Tips in 40 Minutes, something like that. But now it can be told, David and Katie are also hosting something called Entertainment Workflows. Uh, I have no idea why I'm there because the other person there will be Rob Cordry. And so Rob Cordry, who is a huge productivity nerd, will be talking about how he actually uh, makes stuff. And I'm not sure what my role will be, I guess, to to facilitator. I think make everyone look better is primarily. Um, I'll have notes in the show notes. But if you're coming out to, uh, to uh, San Fran, as we call it, or Frisco, uh, for the Mac Can world, you call it Frisco, really? Never. Never under any conditions. You can call it San Francisco. You can call it SF. You can call it SF. Or if you're here and you're a complete douche, you can call it The City. Capital T, capital C. But you can't call it San Fran. Uh, oh, you better not. You better not. Somebody will, will hiss at you and, and occupy something. Good and angry. So when you're at this thing, you are going to be the star scream to Terpstra's Megatron. That is a Transformers reference. Oh, she doesn't watch that? Oh, man. Did I, did I tell you? Did you see the, 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 the link in notes to that uh, X-Men book I've been reading? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, brother. Read her, her first X-Men book uh, last week. Great new, brand new X-Men book for kids. It's fantastic. <clears throat> and I read her first uh, uh, Batman book last night. That was a big hit. I asked you which Batman book, but you, didn't, you never told me. Oh, I'm sorry. I get, I get confused sometimes about the texting. We were some questions about the phrase, lost his parents. So we had to go into a little bit of discussion. Mm. About Does that. she Those, you not talk to her about death? Oh, you kidding me all the time. <laughs> Especially when I raise my hand to her. And I say, this can go two ways. This can go two ways. <laughs> I'm down. I don't hit anybody. <laughs> no, we talk. We talk about death every morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I'm serious huh. and totally serious. Really? It's not not a taboo subject you, at all. You sit us. there and you just grab a moist, delicious, steaming handful of scrambled eggs, and you go, "Where do you think this came from?" No, he'll say, "Dad, Daddy, where does bacon come from?" With the soul in thine self. Where does bacon come from? And you know, I tell even as a Buddhist, it'd be kind of fun if you did it like, uh, like in a sissy spacek uh, carry kind of way. I think you could get a lot accomplished with that. This one. morning I told him everything dies and turns into nothingness. Oh, that is so nice, Dan. That's sweet. He said, uh, I used to have a cat. We watched a whole bunch of Curious George. I love the Curious George. Yeah. Especially those William H. Macy ones. I won't touch the second season. What about Adventure Time? Never seen it. Oh, buddy, that's right up your alley. Okay, who makes it? It's, it's not like one of those Nickelodeon shows. Yeah, it's one. It's on there. And, oh, it's right. so good. Okay. No, it's not. It's it, it's not like the others. It's okay. If you've if you've moved I've, through, and I've fin- had it with the Dora and Diego. I'm I'm oh. literally losing my mind over Dora and Diego. No, Adventure so Time is much more your your speed. Oh, you can Alicia watch it alone or with your child. How old is Alicia? Do you think? Oh, from that uh, that shouting show. Yeah, the shouting show. Like, like in the country she lives in, you think she's reached the age of consent? <laughs> Just, it's for a, it's a total, uh, they call it El Hypothetico. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so that is the uh, coming to the Mac world. If you're going to be there, you can see Brett Terpstra, but you can Terpstra. see Ralph Cordry. 
Yesterday. We should, uh, Dan, we should link to the previous episode with Rob Corgi uh, because I think it's a delight and he's a very nice man. And he's, uh, he, has, he has walked the road of productivity uh, nonsense, uh, like alongside, not alongside, but along with people like me. Like he's, he's gone through the whole like, oh, you know, Zen hack your dishes kind of stuff. Um, and he actually spent in the time after he left The Daily Show and then after he left his sitcom before he started his next project, he actually had like almost a year where he just did trying to get productive and ready for like when life really gave him work. And he got really good at it. Would so, you care about him at all if you didn't know he listened to the show? Rob Court, uh, the answer is yes. I have cared about Rob Cordy for a long time. And that's what makes this so weird that he had any idea who I am. Everybody knows who you are. Okay. You know, you know, you're eventually going to die, Dan. You ever take everything turn dies. It? Everything ever point dies. it back at you? Everything now, dies. are Buddhists allowed to have mirrors? Because when you look in it, never mind. You could borrow. You're thinking one. about sit and, sh- uh, uh, sit and shiva, and that's a different thing. Okay, sorry. So that's it. I got nothing. Um, and then the second piece of follow up. I'm going to put this nicely. <clears throat> the iTunes matched up is great. It can be great. Like I mentioned last week, uh, there's a great article in Matua in uh, Macworld <clears throat> about creating smart playlists to figure out what you're eligible to download. And like once it's, I don't want to, I'm going to take this all as read. Like this is, you need to learn this part of it, which will teach you in a link. Um, so basically what happens is once you're, all your stuff is synced up, once it's in the cloud or acknowledged in the cloud, now I know this sounds crazy, you are safe to, from within that playlist of all stuff the cloud knows about, you can delete all of that. And then when you re-download it, you get it as 256K full-on good stuff. HQ. <clears throat> That's right. That's right. HQ. Capital H, capital Q. Close brand. Now, here's the thing. Now, I did that because I'm an idiot. And on my MacBook Air, I woke up the next morning and I had the dreaded dialog box. The startup disk is almost full. Oh. So here's my tip to you. First of all, A, when you sit down, do not have your knees at an acute angle. B, do not be an idiot like me and say, go ahead and download this, what turned out to be a bajillion gigs of stuff. See, I would say truly use this as an opportunity to start over. Consider, uh, if you've got all your stuff safely in the cloud, consider, uh, especially if you are on a MacBook Air or if you don't want to fill up your entire iPod, uh, consider looking into new kinds of playlists that would let you not have to have your entire collection on your box anymore. Yes, have a full backup. If you want to do a full backup onto a machine with a one terabyte drive and then sequester it away that's not a bad idea like per the talk show if you uh last episode of the talk show if you decide to stop using itunes match next year apparently you'll still get to keep all of these so yes back those up but i think it's a good opportunity to start over that's what i'm doing i'm getting rid of everything it's sort of like the dream dan of like taking everything out of your house putting it in a moving van and then like only bringing back in the stuff you actually use i think it's a good way the things you own own you merlin Oh, God, do you just have is your is your room just like literally full of posters? Yes, because sometimes you do that. I, I say something and and then you respond with what what sounds like uh, uh, like you know all caps Baskerville. Probably not even Baskerville. What would it be? Times <laughs> Times New Palatino. Yeah, I got a new, I got a new stack. I'm loving by the way. I got a new stack. Do you hear about my new short stack? stack? Uh my daughter loves a pancake. I have a new stack I'm super excited about. Uh, what is learned- a stack? Font stack, font stack. Huh. Baskerville, Garamond, Palatino. Palatino, Linotype, Heffler, Text, Times New Roman, Serif. Loving it. Loving it. How and is it any of that places. new? None of that is new. No, but that... that... It's like... like you a, just, you, you, hi, you it's it's just, 1995. I just went to the font dialogue for the first time. 
you're you're that guy now, Dan. <laughs> you're totally that guy now. Hoffler text. So that that leads up to the T-shirt Brit, idea that I have. Brit Gatsby, Reddit. Uh, next. <laughs> okay, quickly, briefly. So anyway, yes, yeah, Spark session, iTunes match. Good, good. That probably made no sense. We will put in show notes how to do this. I have created four smart playlists that are helping me a lot, even as I scream in rage at the four devices that have to eat up an entire month of bandwidth, month of bandwidth to get updated. Um, but it's a good chance to start over with your, in your case, Dan, your, your, uh, your six entry music collection. Mm-hmm. That's great. Are three, are, are three of them when the levee breaks? <laughs> They're different, uh, different songs. You can have two smart playlists, Dan. One that's when the levee breaks and then one that's not when the levee doesn't break. Songs that, that be... sampled when the levee breaks and, uh, well, our rap, you know, in the rap genre. What we're all about. Take the ship and turn it on out. Got more hits than Sarahara. Oh, I don't know one record from the other Sabotage. <laughs> That's way rap. before Sabotage. <laughs> I rap, I rap, by rap, rap, rap. So as, as my boy discovers new music, my, uh, my, my music library is being added to, as he will request songs oh. be added to his, his iPod and his iPod playlists. Today we added some Tupac. <laughs> Huh, for Joel? Yeah. Huh. Did you know that only God can judge him? He doesn't really like much rap, but that's the one... Baskerville. One oh, exception. come on. I could give you five rap bands off the top of my head that would be better than Tupac for him. You want to hear like two? Well, you're not... You don't control what he listens to, his tastes. Not, I mean, he's totally not... the boss of him. I'm totally the boss of him. What about They Might Be Giants? You playing him They Might Be Giants? Not interested in it at all. He likes pretty much he likes classic rock, Stevie Try Ray the Vaughan. song No, 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 No is always no. Doesn't Have you like played it. him that? Doesn't like it. He doesn't like everyone's the, friend this is, No, he wants to hear rock and roll music. He wants to hear ACDC. He wants to hear classic rock. How are you it, handling ACDC? You going uh, He loves uh, it. Hell's Bells. Uh, with Bond or post Bond? He likes both. And it Hell's doesn't Bells, matter. you're going Brian Johnson. He likes all of it. You think he was bald in 1980? Why was he wearing that hat? Nah, Doesn't that look like a hat that you'd wear if you were a bald thing. guy? Huh. Not really. It looks sweaty if you were bald. <sighs> Australia can get hot, right? Most of their songs are about how hard it is to be in a rock and roll band. Have you mm-hmm. ever noticed that? Yes. Yeah, I got a fives about that. Okay, <clears throat> we should keep going. Um, anything else? Um, uh, you're telling me like, man, it's so loud in here. No interest? No interest at all. Doesn't like it. Anna Ng, nothing. Nope. Don't need a crane? No, he doesn't like anything from that Lincoln pulling, at all. Pulling out, pulling out the big guns. Have you played him Dr. Worm? Yes, uh, he does like Dr. Worm, and he Dr. does Worm's like... Dr. big in our house, big. There is a strange video for that on YouTube. With a cartoon? Yeah, it's a, one of those weird cartoons that looks very much like it was made five years before it was actually made, and it's, it's poorly animated. He kind of liked that. Now he's much more into Seal Crazy, that video. Likes that one a lot more. You're, you're making every scintilla of this completely up. Tupac, really? You're playing Tupac for your kid? He heard, he heard it on the radio. He liked it. And you don't let him watch Star Wars? I don't play him the explicit version, Merlin. Oh, so he thinks, he thinks that that's how the language sounds with the blips and the bleeps. Now, what no, about that, this is big? back in the day when... No, this is back in the day when uh, they would do a separate version of the song yes. that was clean instead of the... Yes dropouts that they have. Did you know that clean has a semantic meaning on the iTunes store? A lot of people don't know that. Tell us about that. 
I'm not going to go into it. We don't have time. But uh, but now, what about Jay Z? You play him in the Jay- I like Jay Z. You play him Jay Z. We listen to Big Pimpin uh, and uh, Encore. It's like Dirt Off Your Shoulder, Ninety Nine Problems. Mm-hmm. That's about the only ones I he's interested in. Boy, that's really great. That Blueprint record. Boy, that really grew on me. I know. That's a hell of a record. You get to give it a chance. Hmm. Hmm. But he's much more. He, if it doesn't have an electric guitar, and I know it and sounds to me like he likes a distorted shuffle sound, like a dang, gang, gang, gang. You know yeah, what I mean? He loves that. Talking about a shuffle, yeah. he likes a shuffle. Kiss, he's oh. even likes some Kiss. Well, you should play some T Rex. I bet he'd like T Rex. I bet he would like Hunky Dory by David Bowie or possibly Ziggy Stardust. Mm-hmm. I know he would like Mont the Hoople. He does like uh, like old old classic Bowie stuff. Oh, that Hunky Dory record's so good. <sighs> Ready to get started? Yeah, let's do it. Good week. It's been a big week. Yeah, it's been a huge week. <clears throat> Last week, we, uh, well, two weeks ago, we started talking about, after ranting about various things, it's a shame how we blow the whole first half of the show not talking about anything. Terrible, terrible shame. Um, we don't have an opening act. That's uh, why. If we had someone to come in and open it up, don't you hate it when we'd walk out there plays. ready. Don't you hate it when the opening act plays too long? When do, 39 not, minutes. when do they not play too long? Minute 39, you're off the stage. That's what I'm saying. Minute 39. 40 minutes at the most outside. Just saying. And when I went to see Neil Young, I was like, I like social distortion, but, you know, really. You know, you know that Annie Lennox? Yes. She was the opening act for Sting when I saw them. Hmm. Hmm. That was not a bad opening act. Uh, that's not only not a bad opening act, I would have had no problem at all leaving the parking lot very, very early that night. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to build a fortress around Sting, <laughs> cover it in fences and barbed wire, Nabokov. I would think you'd be totally into Sting, like closeted. I, um, in, the, in the 616 universe, can I just say, Sting never did anything after <laughs> 1982. Oh, surprise you? Synchronicity? How well has that turned out? I'm saying, I'm saying everything after what? Ghost in the Machine. You like that one? Weird I like, cover. I, I, I adore, adore, adore. Would well, you ever realize it's their faces? Is that the one that has um, uh, LEDs? Yeah, is that, is it, what, what songs are on Go that look one? At it. Go look at it. It's I can't in front of a computer. <sighs> um, <clears throat> two weeks Still have ago, a boot on your desk? <clears throat> that's his little choppy head. This is like the Indian. Uh, You're not supposed to lay it down. Why? Why? Because he's uh, booted doesn't sleep? No, he's supposed to be sitting upright. He's sitting upright. I can't even knock him over. I'm hitting him with the soy sauce. Nothing's happening. <laughs> okay. My soy sauce out. has uh, gluten in it. No, you know, no. Now this one does because I got the cucumber in here. But at home, we've got a non-gluten tamari. Non. <clears throat> What's on your mind? Two weeks ago. <clears throat> Should we just bag it? Or, or do, you, do, you, do you think the shirt will keep the show afloat at this point? Board it and bag it. We'll come back to the shirt in AD. Yeah, what's on your mind? Two weeks ago, we started talking about getting unstuck uh, because I think it is a, it's a good topic <clears throat> and the uh, jackals suggested it. And uh, we, we talked a, a little bit briefly about getting unstuck on creative stuff. Last week, we came back to that. I think we ended up, mostly I ranted a little bit in a way that turned into good stuff. But a funny thing happened last week. And uh, when I went back and listened to it, I, I haven't listened to it more than five or six times. But when I went back and listened to it, I noticed how much I was fumbling, as I do, on the getting unstuck in life part. And it's funny because when that's a topic that we almost touch on a lot of times, mm. right? <clears throat> now, 
I, I've been thinking about that. I've just been, that's been bugging me because I, that seems like something I should be able to talk about. And uh, I've been trying to figure out what, why that is. <clears throat> then you and I texted and you told me your kid had been sick. And I heard about it, you know, on, on the Build and Analyze. Sure. Well, you're, you're, you're trying to rattle that Marco good. I think, it's, I think you're breaking through a little <laughs> that bit. Wasn't, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> that wasn't the plan. Yeah, that floor, believe me, you're not going to have time to get a new floor. Enjoy that one. You know, enjoy every part of that, really. <laughs> That's right. Relish every sandwich. Uh, and I thought about that. And so my idea for today, I was uh, at uh, Brown Coffee, Brown Coffee Terraval, uh, between uh, 22nd and 23rd, Don't Be Creepy. And uh, I heard a Mountain Goat song. And then that made me think of this song by the Mountain Goats called This Year. And, and the, uh, the chorus goes like this. I am going to make it through this year if it kills me. Isn't that the guy from the B-52s? No, no, no. I think you're thinking of, uh, I think her name's Katie. I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. That is actually weirdly, weirdly similar. <laughs> That's because of my poor impersonation. And so I was thinking about that. And I put the, I put the lyrics and video for that in, uh, in notes because it's really good. Because I thought this show should be called what, Dan? What did I text you? What did I say this show should be called? Stooping. Stooping of Felta Zeldman. Wasn't it schlogging? I thought this show should be called The Slog, a.k.a. I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. Because, and, I, and the point that I tried to make to you is that part of the problem with the getting unstuck part is that uh, life is a slog. And there's going to be stuff you just got to get through, right? True. Like you just, there's times when you just got to like find a way to just power through it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought about that. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Yeah. You, hmm. And that was Robert Frost or Tupac. <laughs> Only God can judge me. <laughs> I got tattoos for that now. And so I thought about that and I said, you know what? I should prepare for the show by thinking about the slog. Because isn't that a theoretically interest, very interesting topic, talking about the slog? I would like to talk about that. I don't. Because then I thought about it some more. <laughs> and I really, really thought about it. And I sat down and I tried to, make some, tried to bring some thoughts together. I think that's a fantastic theoretical topic. But I realized I didn't want to talk about that. And, and I, I realized I wanted to talk about something else. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Yes. I think I get hung up on things like trying to tell you how to get unstuck about life. Personally, I think I get unstuck. I get I get hung up trying to talk about stuff like giving you instruction on how to get through the slog. You know why I get stuck on that? I don't know. Do you know why the show sucks when I over prepare? Oh, I I do know that it does suck. Yes, and I think it's because. I, like a lot of people, am struggling to find answers to things. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm struggling to tell you how to get... I'm trying to like have this show be useful and tell you how to get through the slog. I don't really have an answer for that. The show sucks when I try to tell you how to do that. And then I started thinking about the kind of work I do and how all the work that I like the most, like whether or not somebody else thinks it's useful, the stuff I like the most are like where I figure out an interesting question rather than a half-satisfying answer. And like how in, my, in, in everything I do, I think the most interesting stuff I've ever had to say has much more to do with some kind of an interesting question than some kind of a theoretically decisive answer. And as I sat there today, I literally have bullets for all of these, Dan. I have 48 lines in TextMate thinking about this. I realized how much I distrust answers 
and really love good questions. And that's what I want to talk about. Distrusting, talk about distrusting answers and <sighs> loving good questions. You ever have one of those things, though, where like maybe it's too much coffee, maybe it's not enough bacon, but suddenly, uh, this is a New Testament reference, so don't bother. The scales fall from your eyes, and all of a sudden you go, you get this flash uh, where like a bunch of stuff suddenly makes a lot more sense. And when I realized that, I, I pulled together a bunch of threads on stuff that's kind of been sticking in my craw for a really long time, and I realized that what bugs me, I think, is, my, uh, is the drive to have a decisive answer to things. And it's what's so frustrating about mm. what a lot of the junk I end up talking about on here and we end up talking about. But we always end up, you know, some kind of slightly unsatisfying thing. It's like, well, you know, that might work for you. But um, maybe on some level I'm saying I may have realized today that I no longer have that much interest in trying to provide answers. Uh, that I, uh, I'm way, and, and this could make the show better, and I think it could make my career better. That's what I wanted to share with you. Okay. What do you think of that? I, I think it would be a fascinating uh, talk. be a fascinating mm-hmm. discussion. I think well, we should get started. I, 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 exactly, and I don't have any. But do you understand the, 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 the distinction here? I mean, oh, and can I give you a couple examples? Uh, I am so suspicious of uh, stuff like the easy answers, mm. right? Of stuff like the, you know, how to lose 15 pounds in a month, you know, by eating potato chips or all the, like, career shortcuts. You know what I mean? I bristle at all of those things because they're such a specific answer to something that may not even really be a good question, but it feels like a solution. And it, it's so tantalizing, whether it solves a problem you actually have or whether it solves a problem you've defined well, whether it's going to help clarify an interesting or uninteresting question. I think our natural state is to be really drawn to these kinds of answers. It's why we find it really satisfying uh, to read some kind of Freakonomics, Malcolm Gladwell-style thing that explains, oh, you know, I, my intuition was always right about blah, 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 or like why we're drawn to all these stupid self-help books that are really just kind of full of crap. And why uh, sometimes, like I said, you know, last week, uh, maybe the one halfway smart thing I said last week is that if you aren't asking the right question, you know, there's no correct answer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. I don't have a lot. I don't have anything prepared on that except that, uh, well, whatever. I'm just sharing this thing that, that, like, I think could have a really big impact on how I think about things, and I think it's potentially more important than trying to give you some useful advice about like how to finish your painting. Asking the right question, but also understanding. Well, that's that's the start of it, though. That's the root of it is is asking the right question, solving the right problem. I think it could be the root of it. Yeah. If you're but, asking I mean, the wrong question, if you're trying to solve the wrong problem, if you it, that also sort of goes further back into setting up your the framing for the way that you approach a problem or the way that you approach a situation or the or you know, some people are always focusing on the goal on what they want to achieve or on oh, I I yes. want to do this and maybe the better question is are you know, maybe why do you want to do that or what is it you really should be doing or should be focusing on or, or is the end goal as important as the path that you take to get there? That's, I think that's a super interesting way to put it. I hope you won't mind my saying. I had a really interesting chat yesterday. No, go, go with, ahead, Colin. With a guy from the internet, uh, Jack Chang, a super interesting guy. And he was talking about how the way he works inside of his company. Wait, the Ars is, Technica writer, Jack, Jackie Chang? And so Jack says that inside of his company, they try to separate goals from problems from solutions, Right. 
And so, I mean, like that's to, to what to your point here, which is I think is a kind of a super interesting secondary level in 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 almost almost practical terms. Like, how how are you? Do you know if you're asking the right question? Right? Have you framed this? Is this really the thing you want to be doing, et cetera? All those kinds of things. But I love that idea of going like, well, like what if what if what if you're treating something like a problem that's really a goal, and what if you're treating something like a solution that's actually the problem? I'm, I'm not trying to use some kind of Zen-like mind. <laughs> thing on you here. Okay. But isn't that kind of what you're saying? Is kind like of, yeah. we can get really we can get really off track. Uh I mean, you know, this is again, this is this is a has been a grace note through a lot of what we've said over the last 40 something episodes. Is, you know, <clears throat> not having your eye on, you know, the right ball. You know, trying uh, trying to um uh I guess I guess so I, I think I think that is something we've talked about a lot, and I think that's worth continuing to talk about. Yes, are you asking the right question? It goes to all this stuff. It goes to the expertise. It goes to being stuck. It goes to feeling. I mean, it goes to feeling stuck in. Now, yes, fair enough. That goes to being stuck in life too, right? Because I mean, the the most unsatisfying quote unquote answer I end up giving sometimes is, well, maybe the solution to your job is going somewhere else and not being at that job. People hate. As, they hate that answer, though. They should hate that. They should hate that because that the, the harder and more annoying an answer is, the more likely it's something that's going to be useful. Because if it were that easy of an answer, why haven't you already done it? If the answer were really simple, why are you still unhappy? Because you're waiting for some answer that's going to solve this whole constellation of problems that you've concatenated into this big thing you call the problem. And maybe there's not, maybe there's not even like, something as simple as one answer maybe there's not 14 answers maybe there's something much deeper going on and getting to those right questions i don't i, I don't know the answer but you're right you should be mad at that you should be mad at that you know again i i was mad at my mom because i wasn't allowed to play in traffic but that turned out great and and i'm not telling you i'm not trying to present you you have to understand here i'm not trying to tell you like i have this position of wisdom and i can talk down my nose at you who has a job if you don't think if you don't think my life is freaking hard every day, well, you know what? I just don't feel the need to share that with you. But everybody's life is hard every day. And if you think otherwise, you're maybe a teenager, if that. Everybody's life is hard every day. But that doesn't change the material fact that sometimes there's not a simple answer. And if and, and there's never a simple answer to something, if you've painted yourself into some kind of a corner, where, where, where there, there, there can never be an easy answer. I mean, not to go with the extremely obvious example, but sometimes there are Sophie's Choice-like things going on. Sometimes there's not even something where it's the better of two options. Sometimes there's just stuff you're going to have to do where they, each one sucks more than the other, but you don't have a choice. And I mean, in the case of the job where you need the job, okay, I understand, you need the job. And so me sitting here with the Road Post Podcaster changes the reality of what you're going to do about that. Unless you can find a fairy godmother, you're going to have to accept that there is not an easy answer for that. Right? I mean, and, I, and I, again, I, I accept that. But like, if you want to find, if you want to be vended and marketed, and if you want to have this whole kind of this series of super easy answers vended to you, well, B, you will find plenty of places to get that. But A, you've probably already consumed that. And that's making the problem Worse. What do you mean? Already consumed it? How many people do you think own exactly one self-help book? <laughs> I think very few. And 
Is, is that is that is that a silly and obvious question to ask? It's a good question. Yeah. Well, how will you know when you're done? Do you own any self-help books? Tons. Tons. Yeah, tons. Um, some of which uh, have been extremely helpful, some of which I've never read, some of which I bought because I thought it's my racket and I need to like know this. But yeah, I, I mean, I've, <clears throat> I, I'm, I've been interested in it uh, on a meta level for a long time. Because <clears throat> as I've said, I think I've mentioned this before, my mom sold real estate when I was a kid. And so she had all kinds of stuff like Zig Ziglar and all these books about like how to be, a, you know, Augmentino, you know, all these kinds of books, Dale Carnegie. I've always been very interested in those kinds of books. And personally, I've always been uh, temporarily inspired by reading things like that. And, and let's not get too far down this path. But, but I mean, because this is such a rehash of what we've talked about so many times. But yeah, I do own tons of self-help books. But I, I sure don't buy like a, a ton of them anymore. And not that I've reached some kind of Buddha-like state in that. But I'll, what I'm trying to say is, but if you are the guy who's mad or gal who's mad about the advice being that, well, maybe you're in the wrong job. Well, like, how many books will it take before you land on the fact that maybe that's the quote-unquote answer, right? Again, I mean, and for the, maybe the third time in my life, I'm going to quote Stephen Covey. Like, how do you know if your ladder is against the right wall? I think that's, of, of the stuff of his I've been able to tolerate, that's, I think that's the smartest thing I can remember him ever saying. If your ladder's not against the right wall, like... <laughs> No matter how good you get at whatever you're doing there, like you're doing the wrong thing, right? I've never heard so, that expression. That's very cool. It's a pretty good expression. Yeah. It's a pretty good expression. I mean, uh, it's and and I feel like again, it's a, I don't know what you call it, a grace note or a uh, undertone to a lot of what we talk about is um, how often the answer seems to be um, something ineffable that. Let's put it this way. Let's go back to these first principles. When your kid is sick, like in my kid's case, again, back to the sick kid, like it almost always starts with a runny nose. Like a runny nose is a fantastic leading indicator that this will end in sick. Yeah. But in the same way that me wiping the snot away is not going to make a cold not happen, in the same way that covering up a bruise that doesn't heal is not going to prevent the possibility that I might have some deeper blood problem going on, you know, find, finding a way to ameliorate the symptoms of the thing you realized can not only not make you feel better, it may make you feel better for a while because you can't see it. Uh, it. It may feel like a solution, but in fact, all the time that you're not looking at that bruise or you're not noticing what that snot might really mean, you're not getting to what's actually going on that's causing the problem. And if you stop at the answer that was easy, or if you stop at the answer that you bought, well, how, how do you know it's fixed? I read a really interesting article I'll link to this week. I think it was probably via uh, Give Me Something to Read, which everybody should subscribe to. Do you, read, do, you, do, you, do you read that, Dan? Give Me Something to Read? No. It's a lied. <clears throat> I think uh, I think the guy's name. I want to say Richard, but uh, a Tumblr pal of mine uh, on kind of on kind of on Marco's behalf has this neat thing you could subscribe, subscribe to in Instapaper or otherwise. And it's uh, oh no, I know, have seen this. I have seen this. Yeah, and it's just a curation of longer pieces. It's, it's kind cool. of like long long reads or anything like that. So I, I probably got it from there. But it was an article about I forget where, but I will find it. But <laughs> 
<laughs> this article is so up my alley. It's about how the research in social psychology is being so hopelessly twisted by the need to produce surprising results. And now, you know, getting published has always been a tough gig, right? But nowadays, again, with the whole like everything you know is wrong kind of nonsense that like compels nonfiction books and magazine articles, 17 surprising ways to, you know, that kind of stuff. In social psychology in particular, there's this extreme amount of pressure to not only obviously get published, but to get published with the kind of stuff that the Freakonomics blog is going to link to, right? Or that, you know, Malcolm Gladwell is going to use in one of his pithy articles or, or what have you. But, you know, if, if you're just doing straight research that ends up having a, a slightly different, you know, um, result from something that's happened before, you're not going to be on the Freakonomics blog. You're not going to be in Malcolm Gladwell's book. And in one case, so there's been this whole series of things that, that has, have kind of come to light about people who have been doing stuff from fudging their information to outright lying and making up their data in order to produce these results. A messy desk can make you a racist. Like these are examples of things that are, it's where it's coming to light. That that need to um, create, you know, an interesting result is, uh, I, I, you know, and the thing is, I'm not uh, that Ianatis guy or whatever from Stanford. Like I'm not a meta researcher. I don't know the details of all of this stuff. But I've, I've, I've felt in my heart that when I hear all these surprising stories from a press release or something on NPR about the surprising, surprising thing, there's a part of me that's always like, mmm, it doesn't feel right. And the most illuminating part of this for me um, is that in some of the data that's been doctored, uh, I think it's called I want to say the file drawer effect or file drawer syndrome. Have you ever heard of this? No, this is new. Did you just um, make that up? I'm going to break my rule. This is the uh, Tactile Pro 2.0 I'm uh, using here. I want to say file drawer effect. You um, have a certain idea in mind about what you'd like to be able to publish, let's say. Or you have a certain, you know, you want to know that your P equals this mm-hmm. in the results. And you just keep doing stuff until you get the result that you'd like to publish, and then you throw everything else away. And apparently, this is not a new problem. This is, you know, think about when, uh, I don't know, you've probably never believed in magical thinking like I have, Dan. But, but you know, but imagine... Would, let, let, hold on, stop. Yes. Let's discuss magical thinking because I think this is a term that maybe is new to some people, and it's come to, as you would say, it's come to light... As a result, would you say uh, it's reached a tipping point? Kind of like people in Brooklyn wearing hush puppies. Would you say <laughs> is that what you would say? Yes, uh, penny loafers. I think they're called. And you maybe need to explain this. Recently, the Steve Jobs bio talked about his magical thinking. People have been hearing this term, magical thinking. Yeah. What What is it by your definition? What is magical thinking? And does it work? Um, <clears throat> I'll skip over the Wikipedia thing. I was going to read and say this: uh, magical thinking is uh, believing that there are certain kinds of things that cause other things in the world that don't have any grounding in corporeal reality. In other words, a cause and effect where the cause comes from thinking as opposed to some kind of action or at least... Yes, so put differently, I'm changing my mind. Magical thinking from Wikipedia. Magical thinking is causal reasoning that looks for correlation between acts or utterances and certain um, effects... Uh, vis-a-vis religion, folk religion, superstition, uh, that, for example, cargo cults, rituals, these different kinds of things, right? 
And magical thinking in the case I was going to give is like, I'm so scared to call this girl. I'm going to flip this coin. And if it comes up heads, I'm going to call her. And then it comes up heads. And I go, well, best two out of three. And I flip it. <laughs> is that magical it, thinking? Well, I, I think I it's thought magical com- thinking was like, if I can get the quarter to balance on the edge of the bedpost, I won't dream about the clowns tonight. <laughs> Can't sleep. Clown'll eat me. Yeah. Or or yeah. if you know, if if I think really, really hard about the color blue, my son will feel better a day sooner. I, I mean I I do not offer this in anything except a completely flat and, and scientific way, but I think prayer could be regarded by some people as a form of magical thinking. Or, as you say, to, 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 I, well, maybe the classic example of magical thinking to, to all of these points is that something in my cognition and changes in thinking uh, can have an effect in the real world, right? That, that, that I really could wish hard enough that I would win the lottery. Mm. Um, because it, why would it work for some things and not for other things? Like, who well, doesn't want to win the lottery? Well, this is a whole other episode, but that depends on how you define things like faith. Right. I mean, this gets us into a whole other kind of thing. But I mean, you know, the example that we've talked about, I think, a couple times on here that I find incredibly interesting, and we should link to this, is the idea of a, you know, we've talked about cargo cults. How, very briefly, because most of you know what this means, but it's a wonderful term. And there's cargo culting as a term in, in um, development, right? Developing with teams, cargo culting, right? Isn't that a term? But cargo cults um, started, I think, to my understanding, really as early as the early part of the 20th century. Um, make sure you bring me back to the answer thing. Okay. The, uh, and we should just sponsor soon. But uh, Cargo Cult started because, uh, and I think the way the best known example of this is in like Pacific Islands where like, you know, not B1s, they weren't bombing people, but like cargo planes would drop supplies onto these remote islands to like help people out. Or they would land there. And so they'd see these guys come out of a big flying bird. These are tribal people, right? These are not people with cable. And and so you see these guys with these headphones and these uniforms stepping out of what looks like a giant flying bird. And suddenly they open a door and there's like food inside that they give them. And they're like, holy crap, this is amazing. The man and the bird came down and gave us all this food. That's super cool. And then it happened again. And then it happened again. And then it was 1945 and it wasn't happening as much. And I don't want to misstate this, but I think something along the lines of we have displeased the bird (laughs) causes people to start making like make-believe airplanes out of things they have there on the island. And my favorite example, uh, putting together uh, coconut headphones, headphones out of coconuts because they saw people wearing headphones (laughs) because this seems like the kind of thing that would please the bird full of food. And so that became known as a cargo call because these cargo planes caused people to, you know, and, and let's even say, for example, I mean, let's give an example. This is, this is the kind of thing that makes people like, you know, John Gruber gamble. Let's say it just hadn't been a while since the plane arrived and they put on the coconut headphones and then the plane lands and you go, oh my gosh, we did it. We finally found the formula for coconut headphones, Josh. And, and now we know how to secure <laughs> these things, right? And so, I mean, you know, even for example, in this article that I'll link to, I've been reading so many of these lately because it's a super interesting topic. But even in the article that I was mentioning about the social psychology, I mean, there's all kinds of things in statistics where, I mean, it seems like, <laughs> surprisingly, like you go, oh, it'd be really weird if I flipped a coin and it was heads five times. Well, if you flip a coin 20 times, that's actually not that weird. If it was heads and then tails every time for 100 flips, that would actually be statistically really weird. Right. 
for that to happen. But again, I mean, if you the way the way that a cargo cult goes from being you know a fingers crossed educated guest to something where you keep doing it for twenty years after the plane stopped coming, is that you have an association uh, about something that matters to you, it matters intensely to you that you you get this cool food and you know maybe Coke with uh, the original sugar recipe and stuff and probably some pretty cool canned goods. And so it's worthwhile to keep putting on the headphones because that worked, right? So that, I think, is a kind of magical thinking. Yeah. Um, I don't like typing while we're doing stuff. Why not? But trying to make an association between something that maybe doesn't have like such a scientific you know, or corporeal... <laughs> Uh, basis, like you know what I mean. That, that's what I would think. Magical I thinking. thinking. Well, and how does this relate to things we were talking about half an hour ago? Yeah. Um, well, if you felt really inspired with the answer that you found on the cover of Self Magazine, well, you got that little burst of dopamine, right? You, you uh, like what's an example? I just posted this on my blog the other day because we were talking about this on my other podcast. Um, kung Kung Fu Grips. Yeah. G R I P P E. Yeah, and, and it's spelled incorrectly. That's right. There's my Microsoft. Well, that chat. means something different. Grip spelled that way. It means the flu. Yeah. Let's just cover this Women's Health magazine from uh, November of 2010. Uh, instant money. This is all from the cover. Instant money. Seven cash saving strategies to start using today. Uh, Anti aging makeup. Genius beauty breakthroughs. My favorite. Tone every inch. Exclamation mark. <laughs> Paren. No gym required. Uh, lose five pounds in ten days. The <laughs> no, hundred twenty-five. No gym required. No gym required. Lauren Conrad. She shares her style tricks, even though she apparently has no neck. Um, and the trademark, the service mark on women's health is "It's good to be you." <laughs> Title case. <laughs> um, and now, if you pick that up and you flip through it while you're, you know, uh, munching on, uh, you know. Ferrara pan candies, and uh, and you go, oh, you know, I, this is this is wonderful. I'm learning about how to tone every inch, <laughs> including as one of my friends on Tumblr said, even the little bits between your toes, every single inch, get it toned, literally every inch, no gym required. Uh, but you know what's funny is this is also the cover these days. Go look at Psychology Today, like go look at every blog out there where the where the titles start with a prime number. There's something really satisfying about finding a, a comforting solution, even if it's an answer, even if it's not an answer to your real goddamn problem. Like, if you find an answer that's cogent to you, like, you'll be able to massage whatever your problem is into fixing that. It's not so different from cold readings. Like, a medium can come in and ask you a series. There's this whole great book about this, this English guy wrote. But there's this whole way where you called thing called cold reading, where you can go in and, like, say a bunch of stuff to somebody and, and look carefully at how they're dressed and how they talk. And you can be the most effective medium in the world and start out not knowing anything about that person, but just based on how they react, you know, like for example, like you, Dan, like, I don't know that much about you, but you're obviously a really smart guy who, uh, probably sometimes gets frustrated that not that you're like, not exactly where you'd like to be. And you sometimes wonder like how that should be different. And like sometimes you're like really outgoing around people and then other times you kind of keep to yourself. Do you ever feel that way? It seems like you know everything about me. Yes, yes, I see that. Now, <laughs> you haven't owned a lot of pets, have you? How did you know that? Actually, I have. See, see no, I didn't think you had. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. But you know what? It's embarrassing like, the number of pets I've had. If you situated, if you situated yourself... 
Well, Sydney Omar, man, like, uh, go read a horoscope. You know, I mean, you know, whatever. Like, you're sitting out there. I understand you're Penn Jillette or you're Dr. Randy, James Randy, and like, you you know all this stuff already. Well, then why are all these books selling so well? Why is that person at that desk mad that I haven't given them the solution to their wrong job? Is the secret the magical thinking? The secret? Oh, brother. Is Man, that the, is that, you that hear this? That's the next season of our show. The <laughs> An whole season. Oh man, the last I I okay all right, go up a few, go down a few more. This is another one. This is okay. Okay, and again, I'm repeating this for those the five of you who've heard the other podcast I do. You've already heard this, but I'm going to read you. This is from the cover of the latest O magazine. Bonus colon O's self awareness workbook subhead. You bring the pencil. We bring the enlightenment, encouragement, and snacks. And you had on on your blog, you said, and snacks. An important <laughs> asset, yeah. In that uh, order, in that order, because after being enlightened. Yeah, and as John says, you will just need requiring snacks. people to bring a, a pencil is really already kind of way too much to ask of most people <laughs> who want to be helped. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, sure, sure where to go with this, except this is, you know what this is? This is, uh, this is birth, birth pains, birth pangs, birth, what is it? What is it called? Birthing. Paxton Bricks? Paxton Bricks? Guns of Brixton? What's it called? <laughs> it's the part where it feels like you get a seatbelt around your tummy. What's that called? Braxton Bra- Hicks. Braxton Hicks is like a fake one, right? It is. Uh, it is not to be confused with preterm or early term labor. It is just the contractions How that a woman do that. I don't hear you typing anything. Uterus does when uh, it is a slow preparation and toning of the uh, birthing muscles in a woman's body prior to. I hope Marco is listening to this. <laughs> Now, who do you think put more work into that, Braxton or Hicks? Because Hicks, Hicks is probably mad. Braxton insisted they do an alphabetical order. I thought it was one dude, Mr. Mr. Hicks. Hey, Brax, come check oh. this out. Look what a, <laughs> look at this picture. My name is Sinjin Johnson Braxton Hicks. Yeah. I'm a professor of the uterines. <laughs> ah, can I ask you a question? Have you ever been pregnant, expecting, maybe on the way? Before you, before you answer, can I ask you another question? Have you ever felt a seatbelt that was not really there? Wish you did. Like to be secure. Hi. Have you ever walked around the basement because they wouldn't let you into the delivery room yet? Have you jumped up and down? Three centimeters? Four centimeters? Hi. I got crowning. Yes, that's the, the worst part. <sighs> What time did we start? Did we start an hour ago? 62 minutes, 36 seconds ago. Like that Squarespace? Love Squarespace. You can't I'll say enough I'll... about Ryan. I'm tired of talking about Squarespace. I want to talk about Ryan. Oh, Squarespace. we're talking about Ryan. He's like, you know what? Go, go. Uh, I know you don't do the, he's, I, I checked. He, he actually is, he's 10 and a, he says he's 10 and a half. He's not even, you know, cause he's right between 10 and 11. He's extremely young. Remember that? When we used to do that. Actually, I'm seven and three quarters. <laughs> That's the, the young Van Hoot. Shut up. He's very young. He's young. But uh, Squarespace, we talked a lot about the Squarespace. Last week, we talked about their great new templates and sub-templates and CSS stuff. Just this morning, literally this morning, I was using their CSS editor, and it's super fun to use. I want to very quickly tell you about something I, um, I have not used a lot yet, but I am crazy impressed by because... Talk about People don't even know what this is, though, right now. This oh, is sorry, a sponsor. Uh, Squarespace is uh, it's com. Co- co- coconut headphones for eight. I got nothing. What is it, Dan? How do you describe it? How do you describe the Squarespace? It is. How do you begin? How do you solve a problem like Maria? Say it soft, and it's almost like praying. Squarespace. Squarespace is a fully hosted, fully managed service that basically allows you to go in anybody, whether you're an expert or a novice, 
you can go in and you can make an amazing website and they handle all of the hosting. They handle all of the, uh, the, the management in and out day to day stuff. It's secure and anybody with any level of skill and however technical or non-technical you are, you can go to squarespace.com. You can sign up. Uh, you can try it for, I think, two weeks, right? 14 days. Mm-hmm. And you can build a beautiful and amazing website. And what Merlin is going to tell you about, I'm guessing, is something that a geek would like to do over at Squarespace. Well, Dan, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I retired that voice. <laughs> I retired infomercial guy voice. Yeah, it's funny. The, 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 the part that makes it hard to explain is if you're a non-nerd, you go, oh, gosh, why would I not just use Facebook? Oh, and if you're God, a nerd, why would you go, that. why wouldn't I just, uh, why wouldn't I just check out Jekyll and deploy it? All? You know what? This is for people who don't want to have to understand how to get a shared uh, hosting account or who are just tired of <laughs> the updates production and the staging and the server. And this is, like Dan says, this is the way you hit a couple buttons and you, and you got a website. Now, here's a problem that, that I, an answer that I have sought for many years that it's, it's nice to finally have, um, is, the, is the problem of having a site with different parts of the site that you only want some people to see. And the example, like, I can't tell you how many times, uh, especially about 10 years ago, I would have killed for an easy way to have a simple intranet site that did not require expensive software from Redmond. Like, I would have loved a simple way for people to authenticate and come in and have things like, you know, an easy blog-like way, things to share things with each other. Well, Squarespace makes that really easy. Um, and what's neat is, I'm going to try and not be too nerdy, I'm going to go through this kind of quickly, but they make a distinction. Like, you've, you've, got, you've got members, which are people with accounts, and you've got audiences, which are people who can see stuff, and then inside of that, you've got members that have different levels of whatever you want them to be able to do. You might have some people who have the authority to post articles inside of an area. You might have some people who just have the authority to log in. But you can even do stuff like, say, let's say you're running a site that's for your whole giant company. You've got one area of the site that's for sales, another that's for marketing. You can have it set so that when this person logs in, they go directly to the correct page. They might not even know the other pages exist right? But they have the ability to come in. You can have people who are editors. You can have people who are, obviously you're, you're the admin, so not everybody gets that. But what's neat is you go in and you select that like on a per area basis. Like who's the audience for this? Who's allowed to see this, right? So ob- the obvious audience is public. Everybody can see this. But it makes it really easy to go say, you know, hey, I want this person to be able to have this uh, level of functionality. It's very easy to set up once. And if you're working with, uh, with people in, in more than one context, it's, it's a great way to handle this. And I'll just say as a little tip, uh, something that Squarespace does that I've never seen anywhere else before, you can have multiple journals or multiple blogs, as, we, as you like to say, Dan. You know what's really cool is like I've got like five different blogs on there, some of which are private, some of which are different things. I can go into anywhere. Let's say I want to go set up... Um, this is really cool. Sometimes I want to be able to listen to our podcast or another podcast or something I'm working on. I want to be able to listen to it, but I want to be able to get it in Instacast where I have lots of cool functionality. I'll go create the entire post in a private blog with a non-public RSS feed, and I can go and listen to that on my own little Instacast. And then there's one little button called Organize for that post. I click Organize, and I can change where that post lives to an entire other blog and then put it live. So it's almost like having a staging server in some ways. What I want to get across with the member thing is that like, it used to be such a, a pain in the butt to do this. I don't think Squarespace is huge at going after businesses because they're so good for things like blogging and photography and stuff. But I mean, seriously, if you have friends who are starting a business or you have friends who are struggling to cobble together all these different pieces from a bunch of weird social media sites, this is a way where you can have your business site up 
It has all kinds of ways to integrate with social uh, social media services. You could certainly, I, I've got stuff like a WooFoo form that had no problem working fine on a, on a Squarespace page. You can create galleries. You can do all this stuff. And now with stuff like the member things, you have a lot of control over who sees what and who has the ability. If you're trying to have a more mature workflow for how stuff gets onto your site, it's it's no longer just uh, send us the, the .docx and we'll try to turn that into something for the web. Uh, that control is all yours. And it's uh, it's all built into squarespace.com. And they're not weasels. Did you know that? I did know that. Well, especially uh, Ryan. Ryan, you know, he's, well, they're all not weasels, but I mean, I got nothing. We get a promo it's, code, though. It's called an offer code, Dan. It's an offer code. Okay. Okay. Go to squarespace.com slash back to work. One word. And uh, you can uh, you can sign up there. You will get 20 is this correct? 20%? 20%. 20%. Off of your first six months with Squarespace by using the offer code so angry. One word, so angry. So angry. It's a Himalayan word. I don't even know if that's a language. But you should go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Um, I use this. I love this. Um, and, and they're good people. Now, they're on some of your other shows, too, with other codes. Don't mention them here. We don't want pollution. But Apparently, even if, if they were to go to squarespace.com slash back to work and they were to use one of the other codes the show would still get credit for it. you know that david sparks guy d sparky okay so here's a funny thing we were talking about this and i was just because i actually really do like squarespace it's not just a thing i'm saying on the show and he's like yeah i've been using squarespace like my site's on squarespace and i was like i had no idea and like what a compliment is that to a place if you go i realized that's i never realized that that was a squarespace site like, cause you know what? Like when I first got on Drupal, you could really tell when it was a Drupal site. Oh yeah. You could, you know what I mean? In the early days of WordPress, oh, yeah. that, that green header, you could always tell. There's WordPress. You can, and you know, to some degree you still can. You can certainly tell Kubrick. a Tumblr site too. Kubrick. I, Gruber and I talked about this very, very, with the exception of Clay Shirky, I very seldom link to anybody who's using the Kubrick theme on uh, WordPress. Shirky. Shirky. Look at me. Shirk. I'm smart and say things. That guy's crazy smart. Squarespace.com slash back to work. We thank Squarespace for supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. We should keep this short and wrap it up because this is this is this could go this could go forever. I don't have anywhere to go at this, Dan. I'm just telling you that I, I sat there and I thought about this and I thought about why this is hard for me. I thought about why it's frustrating to me when I don't have an answer. So so I'm prepared to say this could be the biggest cop out in in forever. Because I'm very comfortable with cop-outs. I like losing weight without a gym. I don't think a gym should be required to lose weight. Why are you telling me I have to go to a gym to lose weight? Fail. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. You are literally saying that for true women's health, I could go. And by tonight, I could have seven uh, hot sex tips that would get to my inner dirty girl. I think there's ways to get unstuck from things, and I think there are ways to get, whether that's creative stuff or life stuff, I think there's ways to fix your email. I think there's ways to hack, hack your life. I think there's ways to zen your habits. Like, I, I, am, I, I could be persuaded that all of those things, I could say yes to all of those things and many, 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 many more. But I'm just saying for myself, like, this feels, to call it a line in the sand seems kind of impermanent, but maybe, maybe that's a good way to put it. I'm going to start thinking a lot more about interesting questions and start worrying a lot less about whether I have the perfect answer to that. Because my thesis right now is that interesting questions are crazy useful and complete, thorough, and permanent answers should be regarded with much suspicion. 
that's my feeling as I, as I, as I, as I sit here right now. Because if I tell you, if I tell you to go get unstuck in your life, let's do this. Let's say that like you've got a butt ton of money, right? And you're, you're, uh, you're really comfortable where you are. And I say, well, of course, you should never quit your job because you need it. Well, that would be inaccurate. That would be untrue because you may not need that job. Like maybe your spouse is really rich too. Maybe you never have to work another day in your life. But I, I would damn sure not want to say to somebody who really, really, really does need that job that they should go quit that job because they should go follow their bliss and, and you know, start, start saving up for a hammock. Both of those would be totally inaccurate. They're both the wrong answer. But you know what's a really, really, really super interesting question? Am I in the right place? Am I, am I doing the thing that I like to be doing? Am I producing the stuff that makes me feel alive? Am I, am I, am I, am I, am I engaged in a life that I want to be living? That is really, really hippie, up in the cloud stuff. But I don't know how you get to should I quit my job until you have gotten to the point of realizing, like, <laughs> understanding why you're in that job and why it's hard to ask that question in a way where the answer is easy. I don't know how you get out of that. And I'm going to think about spending the next six months of my life being okay with trying to ask a more interesting question and worry less about the answer that's perfect for everybody. And, and I gotta be, be dead honest with you. There have been shows where I've like felt self-defensive or something uh, uh, in the past about like people's responses. That is not where this is coming from. This is coming from listening to the mountain goats and trying to think about why it was hard for me to talk about getting unstuck. And I'm gonna think about this a lot because I think my own, whatever my career or whatever the hell you want to call it, like how much better could it be if I realized I love asking questions more than providing answers. Talk about the ultimate, was I asking the right question? Holy crap. Maybe one reason all of this stuff is so frustrating to me is I've gotten too obsessed with trying to sound smart about the answer. I think it's a pretty good question. I like that. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it by saying anything. No, don't answer. Please don't no. answer. Literally. No, I mean that. I want to talk more about this. I, I, and I don't want to shy away from trying to give a variety of answers. Uh, we have a large audience, Dan. I've seen the numbers. Uh, we're talking to people who want and need help with stuff. But I, I think we do ourselves and our, and our friends in the audience uh, a disservice. Uh, if we try and find an answer that's going to that's gonna, uh, merely be easy to get uh, and easy to implement, uh, rather than asking them to challenge themselves on what kind of questions they're asking. Nothing has to change, but I'm going to think about this a lot because mm -hmm. I, uh, I think there's something there. I'll wrap this up. Yeah, I think we should. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man. 